Well, hello there, Sarah. Hello. It's me, Justin. The one that you do the romantic comedy <laughs> podcast with. Oh, yeah. yeah hey. You again. Hey, I want to watch romantic comedy with you. 30, flirty, and thriving. Welcome this week to RomanticComedyCommentary.com, or as Sarah cares to call it, RomComCom.com. And this week, we are going to take a super awkward journey way back to 13 years old and mm. talk about 13 going on 30. That's right. Before we dive into this movie, I think it would be worthwhile for us to go over to the post office and check the uh, mailbag. All per- right. Proverbial post office. I mean, email. <laughs> but and we have one email from the Mamma Mia episode. It is from Dan. And he says, love the Mamma Mia episode. Uh, but you guys missed a one glaring artist who does not have a Broadway musical based around their oh. catalog. One Mr. Paul Simon. Oh, yeah. How do you think that would work? Yeah, that's amazing that he doesn't have anything. He do, He did have a Broadway show, but it was not based around his music. He oh. had one that was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was all original music based around a boxer. Um, hmm. Let me look this up. Not the song, The Boxer. No, yeah, it was called The Cape Man. And Cape? It, Cape. C-A-P-E-M-A-N. The Cape huh. Man. Um, ran for 68 performances in 1998 and closed huh. due to poor reviews. Oh, no. Uh, doo-wop, gospel, Latin music. Wow. Received some Tony nominations, it looks like. But poor reviews. That's yeah. unusual. But either way, that was all... It was all original music. That wasn't like... His repertoire. Yeah, because I think he's hmm. got enough stuff that could actually be a really, really good one. Yeah. I could actually see Paul Simon doing this because he just finished his... Farewell to Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. It's unusual that he hasn't even had yeah. anything like that. Yeah, and so many of his stories, songs do tell Especially really, really good stories. Especially Graceland. That yes. album would be so easy. Have you heard him describe some of the songs on that uh, album? Okay, so there's, yeah. there's, there's a DVD that is like greatest albums, and they do it of Graceland. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, maybe. But he just talks about how some of the lyrics mean are absolute nonsense he's like i started with an idea and then eventually got into kind of like these rhythmic elements and so um i think diamonds on the soles of her shoes started as again like one concise idea and then there's still chunks of it there so but he added a thing so if you try to make yeah so if you try to make sense of it it's like half of it fits that's what bowie used to do he used to write a bunch of words on note cards put them on the ground and mix them around no way to to write songs. Yeah. Like, take a look at the wrong man, feeding up the wrong guy. What the heck is that song called? Uh, is there uh, life on yeah. Mars? Yeah. That is just a series of insane words strung together. Huh. You know? you know my real issue when artists do that is that, so I barely can remember song lyrics as they stand. And like, then you'll, you'll remember them right but it'll sound like nonsense. Yeah. So you assume you're getting it wrong. So you kind of yeah. like kind of mumble at one point. Oh, no it's like, no, you have it right. It's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one thing I do love about fish is a lot of their early stuff is literally just, it's more about the beats yeah. than what actual words are being said. Hmm, so it's neat. They use as a uh, percussive. Well, voice. I should say he took it from Burroughs, 
what's his name william esperos who that's how he wrote too apparently and so that's the thing and it doesn't sound like simon did exactly that he was more like filling in words rather than like choosing random ones Mm -hmm. but man i mean that album is so good yeah and i used to work at Dorothy Lane Market in Dayton, if anyone's from Dayton, in high school. And if I got stuck at the register at the bakery, I would just stand there until someone bought bread. Like, I couldn't help them with the bread. I was just the person (laughs) who checked them out at the bakery, which is so boring. And so in order to take time, I would get, like, the backs of... You know, the stickers they put on the bread to close the bread. I would take the backing and I would write song lyrics out because I was just like, I don't, <laughs> I got to do something. And I used to write out uh, like most of the songs to Graceland, especially the um, Boy in the Bubble, Graceland, I Know What I Know. Yeah. Well, oh, is it called I Know What I Know? Yes. Oh, then that's what the one I used to write out. I know what I know. I said what I've said. We come and we go. It's the thing that I do in, in the, the back, back of my head. head. I know what I know. Yeah. It's so good. I actually just listened to that album two days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I was working, oh. on, I was working on a roof and just put it on, and I was dancing on top of a roof, oh. uh, and it was very precarious, but maybe, yeah. That is, dancing on top of a roof. I was that I specifically <laughs> too. Like Mary Poppins yeah. moment. Well, specifically too. I know. I know what I <laughs> That's know. That's funny. Because I remember there was while I was doing it too. There were two kids at a house over listening to rap music and jumping on a trampoline. and oh, dancing wow. to Paul Simon. I'm like, man, this is just this is a beautiful is world living. we live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I wonder what that would look like though as a Paul Simon musical. Are you thinking just Graceland or do you bring yeah, in okay. just Graceland? I wonder what kind of narrative you could craft with it i mean there's bits and pieces there i just wonder if yeah i mean it could be like a travelogue oh shoot that's a great idea he's always moving around yeah you know like the mississippi delta shining like national guitar you know and he's i'm following the river down the highway so good and then like he's i don't know i don't know if he's traveling in america or if he's traveling in africa but then you know the new york Boy in a Bubble is like a New York kind of, a lot of them are New York themed. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got a really good idea because then it almost becomes a stage show where I don't want to th- say like, there's probably an actual word for it. The only one that's coming to mind is anthologies where like each act would almost be a separate story based on a song, but a guy traveling through like yeah, as the through line. Well, I thought that's what you're kind of getting at as an idea. Like yeah. Tra- yeah. I think that works. You know, he writes in such a way where they are like, yeah, they're little gobbledygook stories. stories, but they are like almost contained. like a series of vignettes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Dan. That's an idea. There we go. That, that, that we'll, we liked we're going to do it. Yeah. I'll meet up with Lin Manuel and Paul Simon, and we'll make this happen. I don't know that you'd make it through that meeting because you probably have a heart attack <laughs> in the first my five pants. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> this is oh really. Oh my imp- god. I would. Just- <laughs> You're both shorter than I thought you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> is Lin, Lin-Manuel short? I don't think he's tall, but I know Paul Simon's very short. I wonder how tall Lin-Manuel is. I'm going to say he's like 5'9", five 5'10". Here's the thing. You type in Lin-Manuel height and uh, in the heights comes up is the first oh, thing. But yeah. once you get past that, what was your guess? 5'9", five 5'10". Five 5'8 five Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid that... I was too high. Now, here's the question. Is Paul Simon taller like, or shorter? Oh, definitely shorter. He's like 5'5". Five, 5'3". Five. Five, so he's only 5'3". He's 5'3". So yeah, I guess he is on the shorter end Oof. of things. On the shorter end, 
He is the shorter end. Ooh, wait, here's one. Okay. How tall do you think Billy Joel is? Ooh, five six. Five five. How are you so good yeah. at this game? He's not tall. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, wait, I got one while we're playing this while we're playing this game. How tall is he? How tall is Cher? We did this already. She's five ten. We did we already do how tall Cher is? Yeah. Mm. You know, there's a whole thing about Jake Gyllenhaal will never tell anyone exactly how tall he is. Really? Yeah. Why? For fun. There's a whole <laughs> podcast about it where she tries to track him down. It's called Mystery Show. It's not, she's not, Starly Kind is not doing it right now, but she tracked down Jake Gyllenhaal to ask him how tall he is. And he's like, I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't she just kind of look at him and eyeball it a little bit? I guess, but it t- depends on the shoes you're wearing, you know, all that. <laughs> to bring it back into our movie, Sarah, how tall do you think first Jennifer Garner is? 5'9". Five, 5'8". Five, okay. How tall do you think Mark Ruffalo is? 5'9". Five, 5'8". Five, <laughs> <laughs> how are you this good? <laughs> Sarah, how tall do you think I am? <laughs> uh, what are you, six foot? I think so. <laughs> yeah. You know now when we're out just at a bar in public, I'm just going to like elbow you and go, hey, Sarah, how tall is that person? Well, I won't and know. Do you, and do you know what their birth date is? Yeah, right. Uh, so 30 going on 30, you're really ready to I dig knew, in? Well, I knew that they were similar height because she was wearing these giant five-inch heels when they were dancing to Thriller, and she was taller than him. Mm. So I knew that without the heels, she had to be right around his height. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a pocket of a man. I wish he were. He looks big. A little taller. I guess it must just be the way he shot. I I would have really well, guessed. Well, like everyone six, in Hollywood is little. Yeah. Everyone's little. Yeah, I would have thought taller because I guess I'm not as perceptive of you during the dance scene. So, mm-hmm. are you ready to dig in for an hour and talk about being 13? Yeah. Six on IMDb, 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, 94%. Google users like yeah. it. But as we're learning with Google, it's pretty fast and loose on what right. people like. Sarah, why don't you give a quick one minute summary? So if anybody hasn't seen this movie, they at least kind of know what happens. Because I feel sure. like this one, we're really going to just go places. All right. Well, her name is Jenna Rink. And I think it's funny that her name is Rink because my last name was Rini. And sometimes people would think I said Rink, like over the phone or something. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, ah. Oh. That's kind of similar. But anyway, she's 13. (laughs) Well, it is. Are you right or are you right? Am I right? Okay, so she's 13. She is best friends with her next door neighbor, Maddie, who's clearly in love with her, but she doesn't know it. And she isn't all that nice to him when the the popular girls are around. The six lits. What are they? The six girls? Wasn't just the, yeah, the six girls, I think. Something like that. Uh, so gross. And she <laughs> wants to be one of them. She has a 13th birthday party. They show up and then they ditch her. They put her in a closet for seven minutes in heaven. And she has this wishing dust fall on her from this beautiful dream house that Mark made her. Matt made her. Mark Ruffalo, right? Yes. And she wishes that she were 30, flirty, and thriving. And she wakes up, and she's 30, and she's in an apartment in New York. 
and her best friend is still one of those bitches from the six girls and she is like really high up at poise magazine which she always read when she was a kid but she's totally out of her element she went and she goes to find maddie who's mark ruffalo now and tries to get him to help her figure out what the hell happened to her but along the way she enjoys what she's created for herself as a 30 year old but she starts to realize that she's kind of a bad mean person apparently before she got there and lived this life that was pretty ruthless to get where she got she starts falling for maddie they kiss at one point but he has a fiance um she brings the magazine back from the brink of bankruptcy and then her best friend like pulls the rug out from under her and goes to another magazine she loses her job basically and then she goes to matt's wedding and tells him she loves him and he's like sometimes you don't get everything you want and it's really sad and she finds the dream house again because they go back to his house for the wedding wishes again that she were 13 wakes back up the next day and she is 13 again and she makes all the right choices that then cut to her getting married to matt in the end and they live happily ever after that was a very good summary sarah yeah, i feel like it was long it was long but it was it was all there so they are called the six chicks and as you were doing that right up you may have seen me smiling as i mm-hmm. stumbled upon an article uh, from InStyle. Uh, where are the six chicks now? Are mm. you ready for this? Brie Larson, I Brie know. Brie Larson was one. Yeah. So out of six of them, it lists four of them that are actually famous now. And oh, wow. A, you may know her from Pretty Little Liars when Miss Ashley Benson. Mm. So she was a six chick. If you watch Chicago Fire or mm. Men of a Certain Age, Brittany Curran. Huh. Alexandra Kyle from Justified NCIS and a bunch of other, I guess, just smaller oh, roles. Oh, Justified. Yeah. And Brie Larson. So wow. four out of six of the child actors That's actually did good. something in high And maybe the other two did. They're just not in this in-style Well, the girl article. who plays her younger self looks remarkably like Jennifer Garner. And then there were old pictures they showed of Jennifer Garner when she was 13. She really looks like her. And Jennifer Garner liked her so much, they cast her in another Garner movie, Ghost of Girlfriends Past, as well. Oh, so we'll she plays the younger version of her as well. Well, we'll probably get to that. I did write down that if you told me that that was her daughter, I would have believed it. Yeah. I mean, they legit look. Although, if you see her actual daughter, yeah. oh my gosh. What, they look even Spot more? Spot on. Even more so? Yes. Okay. But it starts out with her getting grade school photos. Did, mm. did how terrible was everything about grade oh, school? In <laughs> those photos, I remember just so many bad ones, and I had to get photo retakes at one because I did something really stupid to my hair. And, oh. and you decided you wanted the retakes, yeah. or your parents no, said retake I didn't. time. What grade was that? Out of curiosity, I think seventh. I think I was oh, thirteen. Okay. okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Seventh grade. I can bad. say without a doubt. Yeah, was the worst grade of schooling. First grade through graduate school. Really? I would say seventh grade was the worst. Yeah, probably. 
Just because yeah. it's all your hormones are raging. The teachers don't know what to do because God help them, mm-hmm. you know. And all every- the girls are taller and bigger than the boys. And, and everyone's weird. just an asshole. Yeah. Everyone. And because yeah. no one knows what's going on. My mom had one of those wheel uh, frames. I don't know what to really call it, but it's like the, the frame where it had a circle of like slots oh, and a big one in the one middle. Yeah. So you get to see looking back, mm-hmm. just yourself go from like awkward young child to chubby, awkward teen to yeah. like doofy high schooler to what was probably a jerk, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and on mine is, if you look at it, it's like, you know, like little kid, he's getting a little pudgier. I'm about at the quarter way around little pudgy. Oh, Oh, he's right at that edge. Oh, okay. Nope. Puberty hit. Okay. He's good. Oh, high school. He'll grow his hair out. That's a little awkward. Oh, okay. Well, I'm done with this now. So. <laughs> yeah. Brian's parents have all three of them and they're great. In first grade, my mom thought my mom and her hairdresser thought it would be a good idea to put her extra permanent in my bangs. So I had stick straight hair and then these oddly really curly bangs because they're like, this will look cute. I can't picture you with bangs, well, period. I have a picture. Oh, oh boy. First, I have Sarah's the- pulling out for listeners a, dare I call it, massive book. Yeah, and uh, I have her, two of them. And she has two of them. Because my mom made me a pre-K through eighth grade one. And oh, then wow. a um, oh, high school wow. one. That's a bowl cut, a perfect bowl cut I've got you, going on. You look devious, man. Yeah. That it, look at you. You're striking mm-hmm. like this power pose. And I only wore pink dresses. By tr- Like you got to choose that? Yeah, that was me. Look at that sweet hair. Glasses. There's okay. fifth. And then I decide to cut all my hair off it's really bad and i was it's like the worst time to cut my hair off because it was like sixth grade you're just starting to hit puberty yeah and then uh by seventh grade this is seventh grade oh wow there were starting there was one page of sixth grade yeah (laughs) that's a giant book so would you as so would you say seventh grade was worse or sixth grade eighth grade's not great though i don't know Probably seventh seventh grade was worse, but sixth grade I cut my hair off and really exposed myself to a lot of attention, negative attention. <laughs> wasn't good. When you say cut your hair off, you're not talking like a buzz cut. Like what are you talking? No, about? like a pixie cut. Oh, I could see you. But working. I looked like my dad. This is when it's growing out. I could see you being able to. No, it was bad. Huh, okay. It was really bad, and everybody was like, why the hell did you do that? And I was like, I wanted to look like the girl from the Delia's catalog. She looked so cool. <laughs> what is a Delia's catalog? Delia's? No, I have no idea. Oh, the early, late late 90s, early 2000s. It was like the cool magazine with clo- clothes. Oh, so this was like a buying. D-E-L-I-A-S, oh. Delia's. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've established that 13 was terrible for yes. both of us, let's talk about it some more. She, ultimately, she's going to have a party, a boy-girl party, and right. have the cool kids over and mm-hmm. all that. And and then the girls say they can't come because they have to work on the school project. And oh no, Chris Grady and all the boys can't come either because they are they won't come without the six chicks. And she's like, well, I can do your project, which is, of course, 
what she, like they want her to do is do their work so that they'll come to her party and then all they do is think it's lame and like ditch her put her in the closet and they say so my cousin can buy us beer at 13 yeah. calm down honey I know. unnecessary I know. but yeah they put her in the closet no one shows up she comes out well and, no or, he comes into the closet they're like she's in the closet waiting for mm. you and she has her eyes closed she That's thinks chris right. grady is coming in and she like links hands with him and reaches forward and she's like oh chris i've waited so long for this he's like I'm not Chris. And she takes off the blindfold. She's like, get out of here. Because it's Matt. And she apparently chucks the dollhouse, dream house at him. And then they're never friends again. But that night she goes to bed and then she wakes up and she's 30. Because he put some magic dust. Oh, yeah, yeah. He t- When he's shown her the, the gives her the dollhouse, yeah. he's like, it's got everything you want. And then he sprinkles like Dream mag- dust. Which yeah. is, I mean, glitter. Wishing but- dust. Yeah, because earlier he made, for her 13th birthday, he made her this dollhouse of her actual house with her. It's, a, it's not her house now, but it's like a dream house she would want. And she is in there and Rick Springfield's on the couch and you know he like made it all for her which is really sweet which obviously he likes her more than just friends let me cut in here Sarah to let you know that on luckshop.com you can buy guardian angel wishing dust triple strength for the low low price of $7.98 the original price $15 that's a 50% uh, almost a 50% decrease grants up to three wishes works fast works fast instructions are included Ooh, you can also get it looks like a smaller bottle of guardian angel wishing dust for 1995 or for 695 Hmm. 695 so there you go there you go on wishing dust she wakes up in an apartment in new york city and there's a naked man in there Mm -hmm. and we're immediately thrust into the awkward i situations that would come from a 13 year old suddenly being an adult such as seeing a naked man presumably for one of the first times which would be frightening and just in your house and you don't even recognize yourself yeah i that whole experience just sounds terrifying you wake up you don't know the body you're in you don't know the apartment you're in there's a strange man there that's naked yeah you are not familiar with what a naked man (laughs) i'm assuming probably looks like right and then it that's one thing that this movie I'm really glad that they they don't really touch on a lot a lot like there's a couple kind of parts where he sort of comes on to her but for the most part they do a good job avoiding the awkward idea of like yeah is this 13 year old about to lose her virginity as an adult yeah because it's also I think a testament to the fact that she apparently as an adult is very mean because she acts very strangely and off-putting. And I think a lot of people just chalk it up to the fact that she's a really difficult, mean person. Mm-hmm. Even though her 13-year-old self isn't mean. But apparently the person that she became was a real a-hole. Well, like what kind of basket case, yeah, was that woman if everybody was way on board with how she was... Yeah. She was dressing like a 13-year-old, got into her mother's makeup and yeah, clothes, and no one says anything mm-hmm. about it. 
She wears a nightgown into the office. Yeah. And again, I think there's one. There's a deleted scene where they talk about it. Oh, did they? Okay. But they kind of cut that out of the original movie. They yeah. just didn't. Nobody said anything other than she's really hungover. Yeah. And that also begs the question, like, how much of a train wreck has she come in being hungover? Coming in, in her nightgown is like, yeah, this Normal. again. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like she's got a lot of power. Well, the other thing that was maybe if you saw the deleted scenes that there was a deleted scene where Mark Ruffalo told her to go to the doctor because he didn't know, he only knew her when he was younger. He didn't know mm-hmm. the older basket case. So he was the only one that seemed like something is wrong here. And she, She's she, like, I go, don't want to go to the doctor. And she ends up going to the doctor. Oh, does she? Yeah. Yeah. And the doctor's just like, your blood tests are all fine. It, it was a throwaway scene entirely. But that makes me remember, Sarah, the only other movie, the only other movie that we have watched that someone that suggests medical intervention was a deleted scene in the other Mark Ruffalo movie we yeah. watched. It was Donald Logue suggested hey, it. Go. So Mark Ruffalo is what mental health. Yeah, mental health, man. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, being... even though both scenes were deleted, <laughs> it's 2018. We going don't. Forward. We don't need to know about their <laughs> real mental stability. Oh, and did you catch when she walks into? The office, who her boss is played by, this Andy just went right, it went right over my yeah. head initially. It was awesome. Yeah, he was great in it. Yeah, it just he's, it, for anyone who doesn't know, he's Gollum slash Smeagol uh, from pretty, Lord of the Rings. He's also uh, Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movies. Pretty much, if there is he's a claw motion. in the Marvel universe. I th- isn't it just pretty much if there's a motion capture yeah, he's in it. scene, he's the guy. He's the most expressive eyes. I think he was... He's incredible. Snoke in the new Star Wars, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm almost positive. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. yeah. So pretty much if it's motion capture, it's Andy he's Serkis. In it, yeah. Wasn't he up for an Oscar for that, or uh-huh. were they talking about it? Uh, I can't remember if he was or if they were it. talking about it, but he should get one. He's amazing. Well, with how they can, how they do the faces now, mm-hmm. like how they actually motion capture like what he's doing with yeah. his face. I know back when it was like Lord of the Rings, it wasn't. I don't Quite think it was as, as intent. Yeah, but now it really is like. Yeah, he's doing this work. Like yeah. every ounce of it is is it's his. Yeah, face. which yeah. I thought was kind of neat. So she goes into work. We find out that. The paper she works for, the... Poise. Poise. The magazine, not the diaper. Yes. Adult diaper, adult is not doing uh, well. No. Because they keep getting scooped by Sparkle. <laughs> which is silly. It's like, is this really a thing that happens? You get scooped on the top 10 tips that Jennifer Lopez has for something. Yeah, I didn't get that either. And then they're like, well, we have 11 tips. And, and Andy Serkis's character is like, well... Which one would you rather choose, 10 or 11? They scoop us every time. Well, who's the one going up to a newsstand and holding up the two magazines I next know. to each other? be like, well, I guess that one more might be either the one of that these. The yeah. <laughs> and incidentally, at the time this movie's being filmed, Ben Affleck was in a relationship with J-Lo. Oh, was he? And then he and Jennifer Garner got together. So they hadn't gotten together yet, which is funny. Well, and the director said that originally they were having a hard time getting celebrities to sign on to be used in those magazine covers. Mm-hmm. And he was about to just go, I either want all celebrities or all mm-hmm. no names. It's don't yeah. pepper it in. And then somehow, I forget what he said. Someone knew Jennifer Lopez. Then he knew Uma Thurman and hmm. someone. And they just kind of steamrolled at the last okay. minute. So they actually did get the permission to use there. Uh, to use those. There's one thing here, though, that we haven't noted at all. 
one of the six chicks in this reality she grows up to be good friends with. And mm-hmm. that six chick in the future is played by Judy Greer. Judy Greer is back. Yes. And again, she's the one that doesn't even bat an eyelash at her wearing a nightgown to work. She's the one that mm-hmm. says she's hung over. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you're acting weird. That's about all she says. Yeah. yeah. So I like Judy Greer in this as much paranoid. as you can like this character. Yeah. I got excited because I was like, oh, great. She's going to be another like sassy best friend. Mm-hmm. And that did not end up being no, the case. But she's we'll... pretty ruthless. Oh, yeah. No, she's she's absolutely terrible. I mean, she's great. Mm-hmm. But as a person, she's terrible. Did you know she plays the voice of the female chimp that Caesar is married to in Planet of the Apes. So this Wait, Judy Greer? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, so she and Andy Serkis play a married chimp couple. <laughs> Shut up. I know. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't realize this till last night. I was I couldn't sleep. Um, because I drank some Gatorade and apparently that's enough sugar to keep me up now because I feel like an old, old man saying that, which is terrible. (laughs) Uh, but I, Archer came on and I didn't realize she played, did the voice of a character on Archer. Hmm. I think I knew that. Cheryl Tunt, I believe, is the one that she does. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so she's great. So, Sarah, it was at minute 26, Mm -hmm. uh, 26 minutes and seven seconds in is where I grabbed my phone and put the soundtrack on reserve at the library. (laughs) It's a good soundtrack. It's a really good soundtrack. But that's how far I made it before. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to. I got to get this. I'm going to get this. Good mix of 80s and early 2000s. Head over heels. Jesse's girl Mm -hmm. burning down the house. Yes, I love that. Yeah, where Mark Ruffalo's character is playing. narrow, narrow people. Well, but what was so cool about the Mark Ruffalo character in that moment where he's playing the music and all that is Mm -hmm. like he wasn't a nerd. He, no. he just he was ahead of everybody else. yeah like they, he was they a, said they put a fat suit on him to try to make him look a little dorkier because he was too cool i believe that like I'd, he was too forward i'd absolutely believe yeah. that i thought the young mark ruffalo was just as cool yeah. as old mark ruffalo yeah it's got madonna on here vanilla ice mm-hmm. oh there was a song too obviously oh. thriller yeah, Thriller. Well, I don't think Thriller was on the soundtrack. Oh. I don't think it was probably... Uh, it's probably too expensive. Yeah, it was probably way too expensive. But there was also one I stumbled on a website, Tune Find, and you can go on there and it has like the movies laid out in chronological order of what songs play when, and it'll have a description yeah. next to it of the scene. So even if it's not on a soundtrack you and you just hear it in the movie. Yeah. And so I tore through to find by lucy loose l-u-c-e good day which was when Hmm. she was shopping and it just it was a happy upbeat song that i look forward to getting and listening Hmm. to but yeah so we'll mention this later but soundtrack great soundtrack soundtracks and it fits yeah so perfect it's really good because it just yeah everything and it fits perfectly Mm -hmm. is this the point where she goes to find mark ruffalo yeah because her assistant comes in and finds that he lives in the village. And she's like, what village? She's like, Greenwich Village. <laughs> so she immediately just leaves the office and goes and finds him. And he's like, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> she's like, come on, Maddie. He's like, I haven't seen you in 12 years. I haven't t- spoken to you in like 16 or something. You got to give him credit, though. What What do you think your reaction would be? If someone you oh, hadn't man. spoken to since grade school, like a grade school best friend yeah, that you just don't talk to, hadn't talked to in years, what would your reaction be if they showed up at your door acting like Strange. acting like they didn't remember anything? Would you roll yeah. with it? 
I guess. Shoot, you're better than me. I mean, it'd be better if it was a female. I'd be very worried if it was a male. Yeah, well, you'd just be thinking, again, massive head trauma, no matter what, right? I assume so. Is that becoming a trope in romantic comedies? Is just massive head trauma, or at least symptoms of apparent head trauma? The only way you can explain (laughs) most of it. These things. I think if someone showed up on my door from grade school that I hadn't talked to in forever. If I looked out the door and I even kind of recognized them, I don't think I'm going to that door. I think I'm pretending not to be home. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I'm just avoiding the whole the whole situation, huh. just a uh, whole hog. Um, I had a really good student in my class at Columbus State. She's actually older than me. She was just a really bright student who was going back to school after being, I think, a ballerina or a dancer. Um, she showed up at my door like three or four years later. She's a Jehovah's Witness. It's like, hello, <laughs> what are you doing here? So we talked about being a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, wow. Invited her in. It was very interesting. Did Elliot ever tell you or Laura ever tell you, friends of ours, one time Jehovah's Witness came to Elliot's door and they were like, hey, can you talk? And he was like, no, I'm playing, I'm playing video games. And they were like, oh, can we schedule a time to come back? And he he scheduled a time because he didn't know what to do. Oh, no. (laughs) And they came and Laura was home when they came back. And Ah. she just answered the door. I guess she opened it and went, nope, and shut the door. Oh, no. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty good that our buddy was just like, hey, wife, I don't know how to handle this. You go do it. And Laura's (laughs) like, I got this. Oh, I just remembered, actually, someone from high school or grade school a couple years ago did contact me just to say hello on Facebook. And I definitely never responded to that. So I, in fact, do know how I would. (laughs) same thing happened to me really best friend from grade school i got a a private facebook message from her sister giving me her phone number and i still haven't called it and i need to because we were really good friends but she moved away in seventh grade and i haven't seen her since that could be fun this was one that i just didn't want to my mom when she was uh living in pennsylvania before i was born she and her next door neighbor saw the Jehovah's Witnesses coming down the street and they ran, grabbed her son and hid in the closet. And he kept going, why are we here? What are we doing? They're like, shh, nobody's home. Like, (laughs) waiting for them to leave. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I remember when I was 13, Mm -hmm. I was zero confidence in any situation yet jennifer garner somehow i know is a ball that's the one part of this movie i could never i just couldn't reconcile because i tried thinking what what would i do in this situation and curl up in a ball was pretty much the answer i came to yeah or really fumble around and screw things up when she's throwing on giant heels and Mm -hmm. you know she dresses up to go to a party for on the magazine school night. on a school night. <laughs> she runs into a girl in the elevator, like a, a 13 year old who she hits it off with. And yeah. this movie has probably two to two to three uh, parts about her having boobs. And then mm-hmm. they cut a scene or two that also was about that. Hmm. And then the director's commentary, he talked about a joke later when she turns back into a, um, a younger girl and she like mm-hmm. grabs for her boobs and they're mm-hmm. not there and she looks relieved. He's like, I thought that joke was going to land a lot better than it did, but <laughs> we just kept going. Like, so that mm. was kind of a weird part of the movie. But yeah, uh, I guess some girls were boob obsessed. I never really was like, oh, I really, I can't wait for my boobs to grow or like, 
you know, like I never, I don't think I spent much time thinking about it or like worrying about it. But I also was always like right in the middle of the pack, Mm. like puberty wise, like I never was the first and I never was the last. So I didn't have really any anxiety about like boobs yeah when i was younger and chubby i i had great anxiety about my boobs growing in oh no <laughs> i really I, filling out well i definitely wore a t-shirt to the pool once or twice oh, no. not something i'm exactly uh no i'll be proud of it i did it it happened here i stand the stronger for it perhaps <laughs> or you know well you know what you saved yourself from from sun damage i did and i've done <laughs> 10 times more of that damage since and just working outside but she goes to this dance or this party that the the company has thrown and it's mm-hmm. kind of a stinker mm-hmm. um, no oh, one stands she there. orders a pina colada not virgin and yeah. offers to show him her id because i have it <laughs> <laughs> you know andy circus is freaking out because no no one wants to be, he had his accent and it was just was, mm-hmm. the, was just what was it i loved it though it's his actual voice that's how he actually sounds he's british yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah. love that accent he's just saying how the party's failing and everybody's blah 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 and, mm-hmm. you know she goes well, why don't you play something with a melody and he's like just go play something she goes up to the dj and throws on thriller yeah, and again like it's... i i think this is a pretty good romantic comedy moment i oh, think this is sure. i think this really is like a, a great scene much like in my best friend's wedding the, yeah. the singing i would put this on the same type of no, level really? where it's just that yeah, level? well where it's just it's memorable it's incredibly fun it ties everything together yeah and there's a bunch of little stuff going on in the dance if you pay attention to mark ruffalo mm-hmm. in the director's commentary you mentioned this you can actually see mark ruffalo counting off at certain <laughs> oh, points no. but but the director at one point i guess was worried like wait does mark not know his dance moves and he, he talked to him was like hey we can practice more he's like no 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 i know my dance moves the character does not remember those dance oh, moves and he yeah. is nervous. That so that sense. was the insight Mark Ruffalo had. That's how good of yeah, an actor he is. That makes sense. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. My one question though is just like, they treat Thriller like the electric slide. In this I know. Thing. Who knows <laughs> that dance? I know one person who knows that dance. When they claim, the director again claimed, if you watch, you can see that they told people to kind of be sloppy with it. Like they didn't really remember Falser. Yeah, False, they're sir. really good dancers yeah. in the background. Yeah, Laura Englehart knows the thriller dance and she would pull <laughs> it out at random times. And if you had given me three guesses on which one of your friends knew the thriller dance, I think I could have gotten it. Probably. Yeah, I really think well, so. Well, she I've seen her do it probably four or five times, maybe more. And I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't just follow along and join her. Like it's not like it's a pattern yeah. that you can follow. I, I or will pick say up this. On. I think if you watch this dance number, they did simplify it. Yeah, I think so there yeah. was maybe kind of a pattern. I know that the one part with the arms and that's it. How badly do you want this something like this to happen in real life because i want it so bad to be somewhere be fun. and be like hey we gotta get we need to get this wedding going no one's Let's dancing go. then all of a sudden there's just like wait there's a choreographed dance number <laughs> oh yeah everybody just knows <laughs> i want this moment in my life <sighs> and it not to be the electric slide like i want it to be this that would be awesome so she crushes oh, it oh yeah and seventh and eighth grade we had dances oh god we could have an entire show just on seventh and eighth grade dances yeah they were after the football games the home football games they were down at the occ oakland community center and 
that's when the boys would always like stuff a bunch of toilet paper down the toilets and make them overflow. I don't know why. And then this popular girl had an older sister who taught her all the dance moves to the men in black song oh yeah and she did it on the dance floor and i think she taught a few friends it so like everyone cleared the floor and they did it and we were just like they're so cool this is awesome so you have kind of had one of these moments this is me being really jealous of that yeah, I wanted I wanted to do that. I still want to learn that dance. The men in black dance? Yeah. That would be really fun. Because to... of seventh grade. So dumb. It can't be that complicated. Can it be? I don't think Wait, it's... so did they do beginning, like the, you know, the smooth velvet tones of Will Smith come over the PA and they immediately start dancing and go until yeah. the end of the song? Or was yeah. this like a... No, it was, yeah. It was quite extensive. Okay, well, there's a couple... Uh, dance routine tutorials on YouTube that we could study, including, including one that is titled Easy Version, which Ooh. would imply that there is a medium and hard Probably. difficulty. Probably, <laughs> yeah. It was impressive. I just, I remember being 13 and just living so much in my head. Yeah. And just wanting things I didn't have, which I think is why this rang so true. Like I wanted a boyfriend who just, it was like a rom-com thing. I wanted someone who just loved me for exactly who I was and was endlessly confirming of, you know, me and my personality and just wanted to like be cool and be older and I don't remember ever wanting to be 30, but just like I wanted to have more freedom. Mm. I wanted to you know, do my own stuff and just live this kind of interior life. <laughs> so did you in your head picture yourself just being, I mean, you said not 30, but just older and having these things or you I were guess. just like these things being all of a sudden just they're there. And well, you're I wanted still... a boyfriend. I didn't necessarily think that much. I think beyond it, I wanted to switch schools for a while because our, our school was so small and there were only two elementary schools and we all knew each other. And it was like, you just can't escape. You can't escape these people and who you were in first grade, you know? So I wanted to like switch schools and get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. That was like my, my whole thing for a while. How many kids were in your like grade school classes? Like what size? 75. Okay. See, I went to uh, Catholic grade schools mm-hmm. so it was like hey here's 30 kids you're gonna know for the next eight years and then four years in high school like hang only on. 30 kids I think 30 35 was in each wow. grade yeah so when you want to talk about like everyone knows you from first grade to whatever yeah. like my reality for eight years was yeah. that small and then you go to the next level it was like I think 200 kids in a class so mm-hmm. it's still not like that big. So by the time I got to college and date and it was like, that's how mine was too. Yeah. Well, it was just so yeah. cool to be like, Oh wait, I can do whatever I, I can make mistakes and they well, won't follow me. I started me? out at a really big school and I was completely overwhelmed. Like I was like, I'm not prepared. Well, for you went this. to a I big, big school. So lost. You and went then to I like came... what? 30, 40,000 people school. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I transferred back to UD and I was like, this is, <laughs> which is like i think five five hundred it was now? six at yeah. the time six so it's still thousand. a pretty a, a big jump up but yeah yeah from 149 there were like 60 in my school and whatever 100 and or not 100 good god 80 80 in the other school something like that and then we combined classes and 
I was like, well, this isn't any better. <laughs> I'd like to leave. <laughs> I'd like to not find be a boyfriend here now. at another school. Was that a big thing when you were in grade school to have like if someone had a boyfriend at another school? Oh, yeah. I wanted a new identity so badly. Well, because we talked about this one time when uh, your daughter and another friend's daughter who go to two different Catholic schools like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, you guys are already ahead of the curve. You're you know, in a really early grade, but you already know someone at the other school. Cause that yeah. was like in mine, that was at least the cachet that carried like, could you, what'd you do this week? I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I hung out with someone from the other school so to cool. worry about what we did. Yeah. And it took me. It, okay. So, Oh my God, I can't believe. Okay. We might as well do this. So I remember <clears throat> there being like, you would hear about kids at other schools, mm-hmm. like, you know, specific people. And you get this image in your head of them just being like the coolest mm-hmm. fucking people in the world. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really hang out with any of them in grade school. I would just hear about them. And then we got to high school and there was this air around a couple people. And then I ended up getting to be good friends with a couple of those people. It took me like genuinely with a couple of them a year or two where I was just like, this is pretty, I'm friends with this guy. And then a year or two later, I'm like, this dude's a total wiener. Like we're on the same page. Like don't hold him up on a pedestal. Like this yeah. is just as weird as you are. Yeah. But it was just weird that there was it's these like there's lingering. there's a newness and it's cool and different. Yeah, yeah. But they, they kept that kind of weird cachet in my head for an extended mm-hmm. period. And then just one day it was like, what the hell? You're just yeah. as odd as I am. You goofball. Just yeah. weird. But I can still, th- I still remember this, this one friend of mine that just, this one guy, Pat, that will probably be a guest at some point that mm-hmm. I do just remember people talking about how he was so cool and he seemed like a rebel and a bad boy. Nothing like that at all. <laughs> I mean, funny dude, but just, you know, studious and all that. And, yeah. you know, he's a journalist in New York City now and all that. But just I still, the image. I mean, I've different. met him. I He he feels very like a rebel and a bad boy. Like he has a <laughs> je ne sais quoi about him. <laughs> Last time I saw him, he had a mustache and was smoking a jewel. Oh, okay. He's really in New York. <laughs> total, total bad boy. So everything. So at this party, they do the dance number. Mark Ruffalo pieces out mm-hmm. during it and then we see jennifer garner in one of the several montages in this movie mm-hmm. doing like a shopping spree and reading oh, yeah. publishing for dummies yeah uh, and <laughs> then this is where if i'm not mistaken in this where they declared that the the magazine is going to get reworked yeah redesigned so they all they all kind of say, all right, come up with your pitches for what this magazine should look mm-hmm. like. In and the... she was going to work with Judy Greer's character on it. Mm. But she overheard Judy Greer talking to someone in the art department about like, I'm just going to do my own thing and cut her out. And she's like, oh, shit. So then she goes home and starts looking at her old yearbooks at her parents' house because she flees back to her parents' house. In a panic. And yeah, oh, and this is where she goes into the the, the closet. closet. Yeah, in in prep tries to recreate. And before that, the reason she ran back is that she had a series of things that showed her how terrible of a person she grew up to be. She was cheating on, uh, <clears throat> or oh, yeah. sleeping with a married man. Mm-hmm. Um, all these people at work were scared of her and didn't like her. Basically, her it was just reinforcing. Her boyfriend was vapid and you know famous. Yeah, and and she has realized that she was a terrible person kind of how would I get. So yes, then yeah. she runs home. Runs home and then she starts looking at her old yearbooks and all these pictures she likes. She looks and the person who took them was Matt. So she's like Mark Ruffalo, so she's like I got to 
get him. Um, so Jennifer Garner wants to redesign the magazine to make it look more like what she was into when she was in grade school or in, you know, when she was 13, which is more like her yearbook. And there's this book that comes out once a year. I couldn't remember the name of, I think it's rookie yearbook. There's definitely a bunch of rookie Rookie yearbooks magazine. And I think this is the fourth year. Um, and it comes out, I think in paper, but it also has an online presence that has like short stories and pictures and things. And everyone on Instagram is always talking about it when it comes out, how this is really cool. And it's kind of like a throwback yearbook, literary magazine kind of thing. So are you saying her idea that she comes up with in this movie actually is a thing? It becomes like it worked. No, I'm mag. saying like it worked. Like, so in the movie, what she proposes is basically what Sarah's describing a yearbook type publication. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. So this is wow. Because I, and she mm-hmm. describes it in such a, an abstract sense that you don't really get an idea of what mm-hmm. she's getting at other What's than like doing? yearbook, yeah. nostalgia, creative outlet. Yeah. And it's like Rookie has all this um, hand hand-drawn lettering and all these different categories beauty books comics dear diary eye candy fiction so it has some fashion in there a lot of literary stuff interesting photos and i believe they print it once a year as well and it's like cool that just blows my mind that I thought her idea sounded like something that wouldn't work. And you're telling me there's a contemporary way that it's actually being done to commercial success. That is Mm -hmm. nuts to me. Yeah. Uh, So, well, and before, and and so she pitches this idea uh, to the group right before, right after Judy Greer pitches an amazing, amazingly terrible pitch for something. What was it? Fashion suicide. It was such a mess. It It was like derelict. Yeah, it was. But what was the line? It was something like we're going to make heroin chic look like, like they were going to outdo heroin chic, which is like, someone had to put that presentation together for the movie. Like someone spent time (laughs) on that PowerPoint in real life. So is this just jumping back one quick second? Is this whole movie kind of an indictment of popularity and how it ruins you? Because isn't that kind of what the whole movie gets to that she, she, I don't think it's necessarily popularity. I think it's an indictment of the things people do to gain power maybe or social power which oftentimes is popularity mm. so it's not it's not the having it's more the seeking it's an indictment yeah I okay think so because i'd buy it because that basically the the what this movie asserts is that like she was doing fine before she started hanging out with these girls then that one night happened she started hanging out with these girls and then everything flew off the rails and she became this terrible person yeah so basically I, okay i just want to make sure that i took it sounds like she didn't even like it sounds like she kind of steamrolled them and became the yeah. meanest and most popular one. That was the only thing like I she really... she outdid them. That's what I didn't understand about that part, I guess. Why would them She being... mean girls to them. Yeah. Is that it? They broke her at her party? She just... The gloves came off? Yeah, and I guess so. Huh. That's what she wanted. I just want to make sure I understood the point of the movie because uh, nine times out of ten in this podcast, I missed the point of the movie <laughs> somehow. And you have to set me straight on it. Yeah. Judy Greer then goes into her office and finds... 
in her desk checks that she's been receiving from the competitor. So checks that Jennifer Garner yeah. has been receiving. Yes. Yeah, from Sparkle. Yeah. And that's where she threads the needle that Jennifer Garner has been giving Actually Sparkle. Actually the, the one tips. Yeah. scooping her own magazine in order to leverage herself a position as, it was an editor-in-chief Yeah, that's Sparkle? what she was going to get. Yeah, but then Judy Greer came in there and found it. She called Sparkle herself and apparently gave them all of the stuff. Matt happened to walk in at that time and she got him to sign a release so that she could take all his pictures to Sparkle. And then is this the part where we see her hanging out with all the 13-year-olds after this kind of wallowing a little bit? Well, she hangs out with the 13-year-olds after she kisses That's Mark right. Ruffalo. Yeah. They're looking at the shots that she's setting up all this stuff. They're in some like loft warehouse area setting up all this stuff for her to get ready for the presentation. And then he's like, I should go. And she's like, you know what I really want? Razzles. And then, because so, she wants to keep him around. So mm. they go down to the corner store and get Razzles. And they end up walking around through New York and stop at this beautiful park that apparently looks out over the river and the New York skyline. And they both fall off the swings and then they kiss. And then they make a date to have dinner on Friday. And she goes back to her apartment and dishes to all the 13-year-olds about it, as which a, is exactly what girls do. But as a parent, how cool would you be with like, hey, I'm going to go down to uh, 13B and hang out with that 30-year-old. Yeah, 30 that is weird. That's definitely weird. And it looks like that happens a couple, like they're pretty chummy. All yeah. of them. Like this, this obviously isn't the first sleepover that they've had or the first like fun get together. Right, yeah. It, but I liked it. So the, the kid... Either that one girl or the kids, they're the sassy best friend in this movie, right? That's I what I took so. it as. Because yeah. they're the ones kind of pushing her ish in the right direction. You think so? More so than anyone else. What do they do? I thought they gave, I thought like when she, they, she talks about kissing him and then mm-hmm. something about oh, when she wants to give up, I think the kid gives her like a pep talk. Oh, really? I thought so. Or like a quick shot that. in the arm. Because what we haven't mentioned to this point is that Mark Ruffalo is engaged. Yeah. At this point in the movie. To a weather lady. To a weather lady in Chicago. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were going to, and, and they're probably going to be a commuting, a commuting couple their first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. At one point she says, which I didn't know was a, a But thing. then she's like, why don't we just, why don't you just move up here? We don't want to do this. We don't want to start off this way. Meanwhile, the weather woman at our CBS affiliate is in a commuting couple She's from Detroit, Ashley Barrissey. She's from Detroit, and she's married to, she just got married in November, to a Tigers player. No way. Yeah. Huh. I'm, then, an, I'm an NBC4 guy. I switched. Oh, really? Because I, the Today Show is just such drivel. It re, after the first 30 minutes, you just shut it off. useless. Yeah. So I went over to CBS. I'm 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 towing that line too. Yeah. I just can't it's pull It's awful. I just can't pull They've the become flag. their own celebrities, and all they do is talk about things in their own universe but al roker was just in his first musical oh great (laughs) (laughs) so she decides is this the point where she decides to go break up the wedding are we at that point now or where are we at i don't think she was do you think oh i guess she was trying to break up the wedding well she went there to like tell tell him him, yeah she loved him yeah i guess she was uh yeah because well first she confronts judy greer who's like yeah you did a great job i'm sorry to disappoint you that i had the last laugh she's like i can't believe you would do that and then she's like that's like the pot calling the kettle black 
And she realizes that she's right, that she's just as awful. And the only difference is that Judy Greer just got the upper hand in this. And so she runs out of there and and then gets in a cab to go to New Jersey. And the cab is driven by Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Who plays Chris Grady all grown up. The hit, it, like the hip guy she wanted to make out yeah. with. Yeah. And he's doing nothing. He's like, still live at home, driving this cab. And it's like, oh, God. He's like, I want to get your phone number. And she just, like, throws money at him and runs. And it's I forget that his house is right next door to hers. So she sees her own parents, but she has to hide from them. And she runs upstairs to try to tell him how she feels. And that's a heartbreaking scene. Yes, it is. Because he's like, you can't just come walking back in here after years of not being my friend. I wonder movie moments like that in movies where someone's just laying their heart out to someone like that. It's so incredibly unfair in my head and just selfish. I mean, I get in a way I get it. Like I want to see if this will do anything and go somewhere, but at the same time, it's like I am unburdening myself. And now at this important moment of your life, putting more shit on your shoulders. We're on this track. And he, he says the right things. He says, yeah, I care about her. Her parents are downstairs. You can't just like steamroll me on the day of my wedding. Yeah. This movie did in the ending what I should have seen coming and I didn't and I thought it was pretty clever. What? That they didn't have Mark Ruffalo go, yep, okay, kick her to the curb. Like, no, he, yeah. in that reality, went through with the wedding. Because he's a good guy. But yeah. then she's transported back to... Being 13. Being 13 and she takes all those lessons and... Yeah. You, you know, and I then, love it. And then, it, it, she, no, she, Judy Greer comes downstairs or is a child and says something to her about the paper and she grabs it and rips it, rips it up it and calls her hands. a biatch. Yeah. And, and then we, she kisses Maddie. And they and... run upstairs and you expect to see them running out of the front door, but instead you see Jennifer Garner and Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo. As adults and they were in their wedding outfits. Yeah. And then it shows them unloading at their first house. Apparently, Gary Minnick just wanted to end it there. But the studio was adamant that they needed to show them living happily ever after. So they had to have the next scene of them at their house. And I guess they connected it because that house is the same color as the dream house he made her. Oh, when, okay. So it's like Aww. that pink. And I swear, every idyllic movie house has that beautiful front porch. I want that. What I is love the type bungalow. of house called? It's a is that bungalow. bungalow? Okay. I love those houses. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take a pink bungalow. You know what I love? Outdoor couches. That's where they end the movie is with them sitting mm. on a couch outdoors. Well, because they ha- they're moving in. I know, but I'm saying I, w- I love outdoor couches. <laughs> That's one thing I loved about college is you could have outdoor f- or indoor furniture outside, outside and it yeah. was okay. Bring I the indoors w- out. I wish it was somehow acceptable as a, you know, functioning adult to have outdoor furniture or indoor furniture outside, but it mm, doesn't work like that. Not really. And it breaks my heart that I'll never be able to sit on a front porch my front porch on a couch without looking terrible. Like a hobo. Yeah, like a mm. hobo. And that's more you or less... You get 13- a pretty comfy couch that's an outdoor couch. I know, but you're not hearing me. That's an outdoor couch. I like mm. the look of like an actual couchy couch. Oh, I know. Ugh, and that, that's the gist of 13 going on 30. I am now looking at a picture of the six chicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that 
plays the younger Judy Greer too. I didn't realize how much she does kind of yeah. look like a young Judy Greer. And apparently Judy Greer's mom said, oh, you just remind me of my daughter. And Judy Greer's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I looked like a little boy. And there are old pictures of her. She was incredibly thin and kind of looked like Andy Dick. Really? I mean, had this really short curly hair and big glasses. It's like, yeah, she looks like Judy Greer does now. Mm. But, well, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, she looks like if Judy Greer yeah. now is made younger. Well, if, you can tell who she's supposed to be. Yeah. Did you watch in the extras, because there were a ton of extras, like I said, did you watch the one extra about them talking about their own childhoods? Yeah. It was like eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. My favorite was... A teenage geek. My Yeah, my favorite of that was <laughs> Mark Ruffalo and the guy that plays Jennifer Garner's the boyfriend. They each had bands <laughs> independently. They did not go to the same school. They each had bands... Uh, related to poop, Mark yeah. Ruffalo's was the Poop Poo Boys, and the other guys was the Poop Heads. Yeah, and each of they them, both had songs they both had about songs poop. about poop. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! It's like that's what it is to be a guy, I guess. Yep. Isn't that fan? I love that Mark Ruffalo grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then moved to Virginia Beach and was like ten years behind. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like what? That was in. I thought the extras were pretty good on that this, was fun. this DVD. Terribly sad part of this is Gary Minnick died in 2011 of uh, brain cancer. He had it for like two years. He has an older brother. He died in March of 2011. He was battling brain cancer for two years, so they knew he was rough. In December, before that, the, the previous December of 2010, his brother died of a massive heart attack. So his parents lost both their kids within four months of each other. Oh, wow. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, in the extras, they all talk about how much of a delight Gary Winnick was, how wonderful he is to work with. Mm. He used to do small independent films. That's how he knew Mark Ruffalo. And he worked with Richard Linkletter and because uh, he went to school in Austin. He went to grad school in Austin. And then he was really involved in the New York film scene. Mm. And then he... 13 going on 30 was his first studio pick, but he was coming, he was coming at it from a very kind of independent director point of view. So he was very hands-on and, and great to work with. And I guess his biggest credit is Charlotte's web, but God, what a sad, sad thing. His, the director's commentary with him doing it was, was fairly worth listening to because it kind of espouses what you just said. He comes from, a smaller filmmaking you know, mm-hmm. a world. And he Place. did say in it, you could make 10 of every movie I've made before for one of these. Oh. And he kind of talked about just, you know, the pluses and the minuses of yeah. going to like such a big movie, but it sounded like at least in his commentary, he had fun with it. Yeah. He, you know, uh, took he it He said he and Gar- Jennifer Garner both had like a great time working together. I, yeah, absolutely. It comes across, it, this movie is definitely incredibly lighthearted, mm-hmm. and that well, her infectious smile. She said she's never smiled. She's never seen herself on camera smile so much because she came from Alias, being mm-hmm. very serious, mm-hmm. and she played a very serious role on Felicity too. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that she came on Felicity playing Scott Foley's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then they got married mm-hmm. in real life and got divorced. Um, but I remember watching her when I was 13, sitting in my red beanbag chair in the attic, watching Felicity and being like, who is this girl with these giant dimples, you know, playing the piano on Felicity? 
and stealing Scott Foley away from Felicity. What is this? She played 13 so well. She did. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it was frightening watching sometimes. It was really good. So this, would you say that this is big, big for women? Or what would you? Yeah. I mean, apparently the first scene when she looks at herself in the mirror it was an homage to Big. Like, they purposefully did that as, like, a throwback mm-hmm. to Big. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a little different because she's a little older. In Big, he's, like, what, eight or nine? You know what? I don't... I haven't seen Big in a long time. Maybe he is. I can't I remember. Thought he was Maybe he's like, older. Yeah, I thought he was, like, 11 or 12, but I could be... Okay. I think the difference lies in more the nature of she has this relationship with her neighbor that he didn't have in Big. Yeah. And that's kind of the crux of why it's a rom-com and why Big isn't. Yeah. I'm sure we'll do Big at some point and argue that. Yeah. That was one thing that I did kind of not have an issue with just if you stepped away from the movie and thought about for a second. This whole movie, if you step away from the premise for a second, Mm -hmm. is creepy. But... Yeah. If you just do the willing suspension to disbelief. I, I think they did a, a pretty good job. The the one that bothered me, though, that there was no way around it was just mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo is falling in love with a 13-year-old. Yeah. Like talking to a 13-year-old, the things 13-year-olds well, talk about. I think because but, that's when they were friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do get that we're talking about a time travel movie thing. Yeah. You have to suspend disbelief, but just I, I at it. least wanted to kind of... That was the one part where I was like, <clears throat> would Mark Ruffalo <clears throat> really want to talk to this girl for more than 20 minutes? Or is yeah. she just babbling on by, you know, like a... Yeah. But, you know. But I think also, like, human relationships, I don't know. We don't evolve that That's much. That's actually... <laughs> yeah, no, you you might actually be right. There are lots of men who act like they're 13. That's for sure. <laughs> But the one thing is when her boyfriend, the hockey player, mm-hmm. does that dance for her in his tidy whities that's a lot of dong he's showing. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Like most of the time she like throws a pillow at him or he's like doesn't have his pants off yet. But when he whips his pants off and is dancing around, I'm like, those are tidy whities And that is un unedited a lot of dawn one of the deleted scenes was her just leaving the (laughs) hotel going like he tried showing me his wiener again yeah (laughs) no they i think they i they they really towed that line incredible yeah wasn't it okay they they did tow that line very very well i I, so i'm surprised they got away with what other what other tropes have we not talked about or whatever elements of romantic comedy what's what's another montage her working on him and her taking all the pictures for oh, that. Yeah. The one where she's shopping. Yeah. Oh, I know there's one more. I know there's Isn't one there more. Isn't there one where she's sitting on her is that a montage when she's sitting on her office floor putting pictures together? I or think is that just a, an extension I of, think that's just an extension okay. of that month. But I think there's a third somewhere in there I'm not thinking of. Yeah. I mean it's montage heavy. New York City, them going to take pretty all the big in there. Yeah. I mean it could be another city. But it could be Chicago. I think it, it could probably could, be Chicago yeah. or LA. It's yeah. not quite the integral part. But it part does need a big, big city. Soundtrack was huge. Yeah. I mean, from the thriller dance number to establishing the characters, like how he plays talking heads earlier we talked about. Oh, I mean, I love it actually that. brings, it actually brings the characters to mm-hmm. fruition. It's yeah. not just background noise. That's true. So that's there. It's central to their interactions. Yeah. Uh, lots of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Lots of her running out of places, falling over things, uh, wiener dance, 
Um, <laughs> the Thriller Dance. I don't know if Jim Gaffigan is a cameo because at that time he wasn't big. I wonder if we should if we should move cameos from like an actual element of romantic comedy because it doesn't. We haven't had one in a while. It doesn't seem like it's sent. Well, no, maybe it would push it over, like push a nine into a ten. Yeah. And eh, never mind. We'll keep it there. I like it. Yeah, we'll keep it there. Um. Though this would have been a good. Oh no! Wait, there are ki- there's kind of a cameo, but not really. What's that? In the scene where she's seeing her office for the first time, we see her in photos with Rudy Giuliani and Madonna. Yeah. I guess we could kind of consider that. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, well, that, mm-hmm. that toes the line enough. Okay. There was a lot of levity slash joie de vie. This was a lot more lighthearted than... Way th- more than, than Leap Year. Than Leap Year, mm-hmm. for sure. And it, and, it, and it showed in the fun, how much fun the movie was. Mm-hmm. You take this kind of tone and throw it into Leap Year, yeah. just the levity, and that's a much fun. better movie as is. Yeah, you know? I agree. And that's all, I think, on the director. The jobs are so good. Like, she's a magazine editor, and he's a photographer, of course. <laughs> Like, you can't get away from print media for some reason. The reason they can't be together slash central conflict. She's actually 13. (laughs) But also, she's apparently a horrible bee. She's discovering that she made really poor life choices. Why can't they be together? Oh, she's 13. Yeah. But not in like... she's 13. But not in the creepy way you're thinking of. But her body is 30. She has boobs. <laughs> well, that and so also Mark okay. Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is engaged. Yes, you know that's what? I, true. That seems to be maybe not an element of romantic comedy, maybe not a trope, but something that comes up an awful lot is that there's a fiance or a significant other yeah. that is. Um, I don't know if I call it like as much a MacGuffin as it's just like they're there. there. Yeah, they don't impact the story past just yeah. they are there. They add no dynamic to it. I mean, in my best friend's wedding, Cameron Diaz added a yeah, lot to that it. That was essential. She character. wasn't, but other time, most of the yeah. other times, they're just like a space they're filler. There. Yeah, so. even in Summer Catch, her boyfriend who she was taking the summer off. Yeah. With. yeah. So maybe that is maybe that's something we'll start penciling mm-hmm. into maybe the. I don't know if it'd be tropes or elements. I'd almost say elements over tropes that, you know, there's some sort of other relationship that ultimately doesn't matter too, too much. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And we've really been developing these tropes the last I couple know. of movies. We're I like finding it. it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> what else? Do we, we I say the kids are the sassy best friends because they give her yeah, support and they sense. also they look to her. There's a relationship there yeah. between them. And Judy Greer is not. not. Unfortunately. She is the devil. But we love you, Judy. But she's wonderful. Yeah. We got to read her book. I got Busy Phillips' book. I pre-ordered it. I'm excited. <laughs> Sounds like she does some serious dishing. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. What other? Do we have any others that we've need to hit or missed or? I mean, you would call this the supernatural subgenre. I would. Uh, the the mental instability again kind of thing, like we talked about. And yeah, I would call it a fantasy too. She gets to live out what she what she wanted yeah 30 flirty and thriving just hilarious what number are you gonna put on this probably i mean at least a nine i mean the only thing it doesn't have more clearly is the sassy side friend but she does have her neighbor 
but it's really good. It it really is. I'm trying to think of. And they have chemistry. They really she do. And Mark yes. Ruffalo again, unlike he's so cute in this, he's so young. Oh yeah, Mark Ruffalo is the man. Yeah, and and again, their chemistry is so. And I wonder if it's just because both of them seem so easygoing as Mm -hmm. people you know what i mean that they just jive off each other or if they just had genuine chemistry or what but Mm -hmm. um i would yeah i'd I'd give it a nine again i'm kind of holding everything up to you've got mail is like my 10 and there is just i don't know what it is there's just something Mm. about you've gotten mail that, that it, it has yeah, yeah that it has that this doesn't like i don't know maybe that it has more i don't know actual like real world advice and again you've got mail lives in a more real place yeah you know well maybe that's something to pay attention to and these is another element of a romantic comedy like can you walk away having learned something about I mean, just maybe for us to look for in the future ones, maybe that is something kind of sets apart. Can you yeah. walk away, you know, learning something or take take something away from it other than a laugh, maybe? I guess yeah. that would play to what we've said about people connecting with these movies. But yeah, yeah. I'd say nine, and I, I don't know why I'm hesitating giving it a 10. I mean, this really was a fun movie. I think it, the only thing that I have a problem with her character is what... I just can't imagine Jennifer Garner being a mean bee, you know? And I and they never, of course, show her like that because we only get to see her 13-year-old self. But man, what was she like? And I think I have trouble even imagining her being so ruthless and awful with a face like that, with her smile like that. Like, she's always been so goofy and happy and I don't know. It's just funny. She comes across as someone who would stub their toe and yell, darn it. Yeah. I mean, she's from West Virginia. They always talk about like what a down home kind of girl and how easy it was to embarrass her. And it's just hard to imagine her being like a Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Like Anne Hathaway transforms mm. pretty well from you know a dopey writer into a very serious kind of ruthless fashion maven Mm -hmm. and i guess we never get the chance to see what the heck jennifer garner would look like as a brutal you know professional Mm -hmm. but it's so fun to see her being 13 yeah and so then that's mostly the episode now sarah if someone wanted to perhaps respond to this episode <laughs> much you um, can email us at well, mail at romcomcom.com and as always i want to thank this is my suitcase for letting us use our uh, their song love off the album the keys to cat heaven for our intro and outro again uh you know a lot of stuff out there on side projects and that project themselves mary lynn van dale classical baby check them all out you know itunes and all this and that they're they're good people they're and a great fun. columbus band yeah and then again all their side projects are great I think that's about everything, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I had, we had, I had a delightful time, and it was not as awkward as I thought it was going to be. Oh, good. Well, just anytime you talk about grade school and being <laughs> 13, you assume something uh, silly. But I bet we will have another one where grade school comes up. Because oh, yeah. I know I've got some other embarrassing stories that I didn't tell this time, <laughs> and they'll come out later. So stay tuned, everybody, um, for that. And, uh, th- thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.